Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Thanks for stopping by once again with us and the Exit Your Way Business Roundtable. With me today, I have Kurt Anderson from B2B Tail. Welcome, Kurt. Damon, thank you, buddy. I, this is an honor and privilege to be with you on uh, uh, LinkedIn Live tonight. How great! Well, it's tight where I'm at, so yeah, yeah. Well, you're in you're in New York, and I'm on Seattle. I'm in Seattle, so it's uh, we're about opposite as we can be in the United States, almost. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's great to get you on, Kurt. You're you're as as many people may or may not know. You are the um, e-commerce evangelist for manufacturers. And uh, so can you take us back a little ways and kind of lead us to how the heck did you get to e-commerce? Great question, man. So e-commerce and myself, we, uh, we collided in 1995. God, that sounds like a long time ago, doesn't it? I'll write like, that number down because that's 1995. Remember yeah. when we were kids, when we were young and people were like, oh, back in the 50s, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> like, that's now us, you know, like, yeah. hey, man, back in the 90s. So yeah, it was back in the Clinton era. So uh yeah, at the time I had a wholesale business and I had uh, two locations. They were about an hour apart, and man, I was I was struggling. It was it was horrible. I was just a train wreck. I could have written a book on uh, how not to run a business and uh, just running ragged, going in two different directions. And finally, I ended up closing one of the locations. And just I, I, I it was just a, a disaster. My I took on a new accountant, and uh, years later, she told me, you know what? You were the worst client that I've ever taken on. Oh, <laughs> so tells you the worst. So that, that was my on. claim to fame, and this, and she was a she was an ex librarian. She was so meek and mild. Oh, I mean, she like her feet barely hit the floor when she sat in a chair, and she was just so polite. And years later, she was like, "Dude, you were the the worst client. I I don't know how you ever survived." So yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I had a wholesale business, 1995, and I don't know if you remember, like uh, those were back in the Super Bowl days when America Online was uh, advertising this whole new thing called the internet and get online and 14.4 modems, and they were sending CDs out to you. Do you remember that? They'd send out CDs where you could yeah. Oh, yeah. put in your computer and get on this thing called the internet, and then there was this thing called email. Like, well, hey, why on earth would I use email, man? Why just I can put a stamp on an envelope, and why would I use uh, my computer? Would you yeah. crazy? Yeah. And uh, I remember my yeah. buddies, uh, my my best friend's parents. We were in our early twenties at the time. They bought a computer from Dell over the computer. I was like, you what? I'm like, that is so odd. Like, why would you buy a computer over the computer? Like, what is that? This was like in 1993, or I don't know, something yeah, yeah. early. Yeah. And 
I'm like, I was so intrigued and fascinated by that. And if you remember like Gateway was, uh, remember yep. Gateway Computers with the cow box? You know, they were yep. out in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I, I, was, I was in the Dakotas at the time Gateway was big. I used to, oh. in fact, I was buying those computers. I was an IT guy at, at the company I worked for. And they were one of the first places, like you said, like Dell, where you could order them online. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Ted Wyatt and his brother, yeah. right? Was this, yeah. Like I used to, man, I used to study Gateway like crazy. I was so enamored with uh, with those guys and and what what the I think with the challenge they started to open up stores and went to the downfall. So anyway, yeah. that's my long winded answer. So uh, I was really it was out of pure. Um, I'm running out of options. I'm running out. I'm like my luck's running out. I don't know what else to do. I'm struggling with this little wholesale business that's driving me crazy. I have no hair to show for it, and, and baldness runs nowhere in my family. I'm like an anomaly, so I blame my business <laughs> for that. And so all of a sudden, this thing, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try e-commerce. You know, I'm, I bought a domain name and put my business on e-commerce. And trust me, that was a it was a long, long, long transition transformation. I know uh, we've got Jeffrey Graham speaking for us in a couple of weeks, talking about the transformation of e-commerce. So when when Google hit the scene, you know, uh, I'm going to say they became started becoming like a household name 2001, yeah. 2002-ish, right in that range. When when you're if you were in e-commerce and when when uh, you know because back then it was you were doing pay-per-click on Yahoo, yeah, it was overture ads and, and Yahoo. When Google hit the scene, man, that's when things really changed. 2005, 2006 was when uh, you know social really started coming, you know. Twitter, you, YouTube, mm -hmm. you know, we started shooting YouTube videos like right away, jumped on LinkedIn, da, 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 da. And that's when e-commerce for my, in my world really took off. And so that's my long story short. I was at, it wasn't too short, but that was my e-commerce. No, no, that's fine because I think, oh, we got Andrew's, Andrew stopped. Andrew's in now. the house. Hey, yeah, brother. Andrew's in the house. I just want to reach out to a couple or shout out to a couple people. We got Nick Dorsey's on the line with us here, hey, watching and Andrew Deutsch. From kind of over in your neck of the woods is on Andrew, my yeah. brother in Cleveland. Thank you. Yep. yep. So, so we're uh, we're getting the uh, the Eastern United States presence as well. So, nice. um, but yeah, you know that's that's an interesting when you start going into that background and and most people you know today think e-commerce is Shopify and Amazon, but really the people that laid the the uh, groundwork for were companies like. Gateway Computer and Dell and others that were, you know, they were the ones that were actually there with gazillion people programming right. this stuff manually, trying to figure out how the hell do you sell stuff online? You know, they, I mean, the, it's, it's like, it's like going from a vinyl album to Spotify. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we are at now. Yeah. I got my, I think I've got my eight track player right over here with my, yeah. uh, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix and ACDC and, you know, but well, I thought, you know, you did an awesome job, you know, for the folks on and Andrew Damon did, uh, we did an e-commerce uh, boot camp series and for the SBA and uh, Damon did an awesome job with his presentation. And I really enjoyed, you kind of went down memory lane, sharing with the folks of like, how did we get here? You mm -hmm. know, and, um, you know, if, if you're not a history buff or don't care, then maybe it's not relevant to you. But I think it's really fascinating to see, especially the three of us are old enough to remember, you know, the dot-com boom as yeah. well as the dot-com crash. 
Yeah. And, you know, if you guys were day traders or buy, you know, everybody in the country was buying stocks yeah. in the late 90s and you had Excite.com and Pets.com and, you know, all those uh, companies back in the day. But, you know, what's funny is how Amazon just really kept, you know, I was I was like watching Amazon from like day one and it just really kind of came through about 9-11 and, uh, you know, like when the whole Enron thing happened, you know, Amazon went down to like six bucks a share and just, you know, are they going to make it? You know, they're giving their product away and, you know, now this, the rest is history. But it's it's fascinating from a business standpoint of who survived, who had the guts, the courage, the stamina. When you think of like Jim Collins' book, you know, going good to great, you think of the e-commerce companies that had the wherewithal, had the foresight. Uh, determination, courage to get to the other side and to help us to get to here where those pioneers paved the path where now you can get on Shopify for 19 bucks a month, you know, yeah. or you can get WooCommerce for, for basically for free, you know, uh, yeah. you know, so a lot of great things have happened in that time. Yeah. It's, uh, it, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the whole process of eliminating the middleman, you know, yeah. I mean, I think too, and then Damon was talking about that a little bit too, and Dell started that, you know, I was coming out of the auto industry, which was, you know, the old industrial, just keep the assembly lines running, build yeah. it, build a yard full of inventory and product, and then go to work on selling it, whether the people needed it or not. You know, that's where Dell was kind of cool. I did, I, I, I do like talking about that because they were the first to, they're not going to fill a yard full of stuff there. You're going to, you're going to call in and order it and they build it and it gets delivered. Right, no inventory solves yeah. a solves a big problem that manufacturers yeah. have. So, yeah. and we know how Absolutely. many times, you know, Ford or GM or those guys have had trouble because they built they overbuilt and got stuck with inventory, and then they're selling out of the loss and they flood the market. And yeah. yeah, yeah, over and over again they do it. Yeah, I mean it still happens. It still it's happens. Good. It does. Yeah. You know because they 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 they've got to be able to you know there's just a production they're going to run that rate. And yeah. It, way it is well then e-commerce is just the next evolution right so of you know not necessarily they still have inventory and people are warehousing products and services but sooner or later it's just a matter of i mean that, i think that's where amazon's going is you get what you want and it shows up at your door yeah. they, don't, they, don't, they don't house it for even a second yeah we're, we're going to get to the point that we think of something that we want and all of a sudden it's going to be our doorbell is going to be ringing you know oh, man, i hope like, that i i think i'm hungry and then all of a sudden yeah. you know the knock but andrew you're making a great point we're and i i think we just talked about it real quick before you jumped on we were talking about um you know dell you know selling computers in, in like 91 92 or you know over you know buying over the computer and gateway being such an early you know, mm -hmm. and from a logistics standpoint, I was a logistic major 100 years ago in college, and that whole just in time, almost that Toyota concept, came into the American computer industry and allowed Gateway and Dell to be like, hey, what what computer do you want? What do you what do you want in it? They're making it as you're on the you know phone or you know however you're ordering it, you know more or less, mm -hmm. and shipping what you want. And it was just such a cutting edge concept, you know, and uh, and again. Gateway didn't make it. Dell's still around, and you know, obviously, we, you know, we know where Apple's at. But it's just fascinating because at the time in the early '90s, Apple was almost left for dead, mm -hmm. you know, and they made their great comeback starting '97, '98 when the internet boom started, you know. So it's just kind of fascinating to see what's happened then to what's going on today, and try wow. to think about, 
you know, think about, you know, did you think we'd live long enough that we would be sitting here saying like Sears, Kodak, all these yeah. companies that are in the digital graveyard. So in our lifetime, will we see the downfall of Amazon? Will we see the downfall of Apple? And what, where did they take their eye off the ball? Because eventually at some point in time, you're, you're going to expect that they would go out of, you know, something will happen. Yeah. It's going to be like, okay, what's going to be the downfall of the giants today? You know, well, maybe yeah. they get woken up. Yeah, definitely do because that, that could happen. But you're, you're right. And as Andrew will say a lot is, is that, you know, the, the smaller companies innovate and when companies get so big, the in, lack of innovation is usually where the downfall comes from. Right. So, yeah, well, that, that's a fact. I mean, that is why we like at Exit Your Way, we like working with small, medium sized businesses. It's where the action is. Yeah. Right? But if you look yeah. at it, you know, 40, I think it's 49% of our GDP as is, is small, privately held businesses. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. sure. Think about it. You know, the upper scale, the, the 50%, you know, up above that, the publicly traded companies, um, you know, they are only about 50% of our GDP, but all job creation comes from the lower middle market. All sure. innovation comes from the lower middle market. Those guys, the only thing they do, you know, um, they have just access to huge, huge amounts of capital. So if you if you come up with a good idea, you're going to get bought. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But they, never, they never had it. You know, they, they aren't doing much themselves. Yeah, right. You know, as far as that goes, and I think Amazon and those guys are are similar. Yeah, um, you're right. I mean, they're refining a model rather than than making a new model. I mean, that's usually what happens in, in, in these companies is they, they can refine that model so much and somebody else goes, well, that model doesn't make sense anymore. This is what it does. And yeah. they have so much invested in it that they can't do anything. And you look at Amazon. Well, the negative side of it, too, is, is um, they, they, you know, they're suppressing some competition. That's another reason they'll, they'll right. buy the, the, the small guys just because they're being a pain to them. Right. Yeah. 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 And what's what's fascinating, like especially like with Andrew on the call, you know, think about like if you go back historically, like you think of Cleveland and go back to Rockefeller and, you know, oil was such a disruption. And when yeah. you study, you know, his tactics and how he just vertically dominated, a, you know, the whole supply chain and bought up competition and so on and so forth. And what's fascinating is from when you got to the 1890s into the or yeah, 1890s into the uh, 20th century. The old guard from the oil industry, they were like, it's kerosene, it's kerosene, we're heating homes, we're heating homes. And all these new hotshots, especially from your alma mater, Andrew, you know, Michigan, you know, this new thing came out, a car, this automobile. And yeah. all the young hotshots coming out of college in, in the night in at the turn of the century were like, no, we need to put oil into these vehicles. They're like, wow, why would I drive a vehicle when I can just take my horse? You know, and, and yeah. so there was a lot of friction and a lot of resistance from the old guard oil guys fighting the young guard coming in, saying, like, dude, you gotta keep up with the with the times and the changes. And what was fascinating when they broke up. Rockefeller, if I, I don't have the stats to, to back this up, but Rockefeller's wealth went up like something like tenfold because he had shares of, you know, almost every oil, major oil company today can mm -hmm. be traced back to Rockefeller. When they split them up, he had shares of Exxon and BP and, you know, whatever the names of the companies were at the yeah. time. Yeah. And he had all these shares of all these companies. They end up going public. His, his wealth went just skyrocketed after that. So there's a lot of fascinating things that you can see historically in the oil industry 
and equate it into the internet age. And you know, you can almost track these trends and see what, where, are, where are the similarities with disruption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same thing, it, it, creative destruction, right? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, um, um, yeah, JP Morgan did okay, he got his golden parachute. J- so, you know, I'm not JP Morgan did all right. Yeah, being broken yeah. up, but I think it's the all ultimate sign of success is if you're getting broken up by the government. Yeah, that's I, that, it, man. That, it is. Yeah, you get to that point, and you you know you've done something anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Andrew Deutsch brought a, a good thing, uh, a good point here too. He's talking about catalogs like LL Bean, mm-hmm. Sears, you know, mm-hmm. and even another one from up here, the Eddie Bauer. You know, some of these. Some of these catalog, uh, the catalog companies, man, even Montgomery Ward, I'm thinking back to it as a kid and stuff, you know, all that. Some people have made the conversion, you know, L.L. Bean's one still around doing what they're doing, but some just died when that, um, right. what they weren't able to do it. What was amazing to me was how long Sears, I mean, I don't think they're even completely dead yet, but they're almost completely gone. But it's amazing right. how long they lasted. I mean, they yeah. might. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I guess 150 years in business or whatever. They just must yeah. have had unbelievable reserves because man, they haven't been making money in a long right. time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's and it is fascinating that that catalog company. You know, like again, we're all similar age. You think back to uh, you know when we were growing up in the 70s, and you know the catalog would come out, and you'd sit there circle what you want for holidays or birthdays yeah. or yeah, yeah. or whatever. And it's just fascinating that those companies couldn't make the transition. You know, I'm in New York where, you know, you go to Rochester, New York, Rochester in the sixties, my sister was born there and it was just a cutting edge. You know, it was like the little mini Silicon Valley in, in, in 1960 with, you know, Xerox, Kodak, Bosch and Lam. And to think about the, to be in that boardroom in the 1980s or nineties of Kodak and say, gosh, darn it. You know what? We we live by film. We're gonna die by film, and sure enough, they did. Yeah. They say like our legacy. You know, uh, Mr. Eastman created film, and we're gonna you know stick with it no matter what. Or blockbuster video. You know, we're we're yeah. committed to our locations. They could have bought Netflix for fifty million bucks. Fifty yeah. dollars. It's like it's you know, but obviously hindsight is crystal clear. But just the things to be on those boards at, at that time and have made those decisions, like we're sticking with what we've always known and letting this disruption pass us by is it's it, it's like an insanity, you know. And, and listening to you say that makes you realize even more how much I think, Andrew, were you saying it the other day about the, you hate the term. I We've always done it that way. Yeah. How deadly that is in business. <laughs> You know what, being and, and again, I kid when we do talk, I kid around like how desperately I wish I knew you guys ten years ago. I, I, I so I had a, a you know wholesale e-commerce business. The day I the day it hit me that I needed to sell my business, team, and I don't know if I've told you this before. We were you know having a little strategy meeting. Da 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 da. I've been at there for twenty years. I the words came out of my mouth. This is how we've always done it. Oh, I went, oh, I went home that night, and and I and this is the gospel's truth. God struck me dead. Four months later, I had sold the business. I, I was like, I'm done. I don't know. I've I've been doing this too long, and uh, I just I couldn't recover. I was ready for a new long boring story. I, I was ready for a new chapter, 
But when it came out of my mouth, it, it was it was time it was time for Kurt to leave. Man, the business was doing phenomenal, but uh, it, I had worn out my welcome. Yeah, I, I needed to check out, or I risked having the business go south. I risked being a blockbuster or Kodak hanging on to you know whatever was going on. And I always I tried to you know I felt like you know when social media came out, man, we were first on. I, I'm like nobody on this planet is ever going to use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Why on earth? I remember, I vividly remember when Twitter came out in Inc. Magazine, I'm like, who's going to sit in a coffee shop and type 140 characters? I'm drinking a latte. Who <laughs> cares? That, that social media platform will never work. So yeah. that goes to show. I, I said that the goes same. To my, that goes to show my credibility, right? I said the same thing about coffee. I had, a, I had a buddy who got out. Uh, he was an engineer at GM, and he got out of that and started opening coffee shops in, in these little yeah, yeah. towns. Like, and, uh, you know, and I was like, "How do you make money selling coffee?" Yeah, yeah. Like, just give it away. Wow. Yeah, we, <laughs> you know, that's classic. You know, my my wife's mother, my wife's lo- mother lives in Seattle. She's in Bellevue. In 1993, my wife and I went out there to visit. And when we went out there, her her aunt's there. And so she's the first time I'd ever been in Seattle. She's driving us all over the city. And I'm like, man, you know, it was big Microsoft days. Yeah. And, you know, Amazon was nowhere on the, even on the radar. And yeah. just fell in love with the city, you know, caught a Mariners game, blah, blah, blah. And it kept talking about, like, people in Seattle go through this little thing. It's a little kiosk. And you drive up and you buy a cup of coffee and then you leave. I'm like. What was that? And I, I came home and they kept talking about this company called Starbucks. This is, again, gospel's truth. My wife, I could go get my wife to verify this. I called Starbucks and they, and they had their, uh, before their IPO, they had like their, their financial information or whatever. Yeah. I had that sitting in my, I probably got rid of it. I had it sitting in my desk for ages, never bought the stock. And I was like, man, there's this company out in Seattle and it's called Starbucks. I wonder, I, I just don't think it's ever going to take off here in New York. And again, <laughs> that's another one of Kurt's classic. Uh, yeah. I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it is, it is uh, interesting how you see that and you really know. And you wonder, you wonder from a social standpoint now looking at things like TikTok, Snapchat's yeah. even old now. But the popularity of a platform like TikTok, are people going to really learn how to monetize that like they did Twitter and Facebook and, and the other things? Because, you know, I honestly, I'm guilty of saying the same thing. I don't know TikTok well enough to understand it. But, you know, the popularity leads you to believe that that could be one of these next things that, that really shapes the way that people uh, sell things. Well, Amazon was a bookseller. Yeah. Yeah. How the hell did did Bezos? He must have done some fast talking. How, which he does, but how did he get through his first angel round, saying right. I'm going to go into yeah. the book business? What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was insane. And of all, the, you know, great story. You know, he's an investment banker, and uh, yep. you know, was going with different categories. And, and and in hindsight, back in the day, and again, when we're talking about companies that missed the missed the mark. You look at, um, you know, what were the uh, Borders Bookstore, Barnes yeah. & Noble, you know, they're buying up every single little uh, bookstore in the country. You know, what was that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got mail or whatever. And, you know, he was the big corporate guy and Meg Ryan had her little bookshop. 
Yeah. So, you know, here Bar Barnes and Noble and Borders are buying up every little bookstore. You know, again, Borders being in, in Ann Arbor, I had a buddy that was a buyer for, right. for Borders. I and, remember um, I lived there when they cleared out and they went. Yeah. And, and just, man, they were just crushing the market, buying up everybody, not knowing once again, they were going right off a cliff. There I had no idea that e-commerce was on their heels. And, and it's a, and the thing is even up into the two thousands, I, and if I, if I have this correct, they turned over their e-commerce to Amazon. So instead of yeah. them doing, if I'm, 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 I'm almost positive. I did a blog post on this. I call, and it's called the e-commerce graveyard. And I did like a study oh. on like Blockbuster and Borders and you know different companies. Uh, Circuit City was the other one. Circuit City, sorry to ramble on, but Circuit City was featured in Jim Collins' Good to Great. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the great companies. Yeah. Yep. And the son of the founder wrote a book called Good to Great to Gone, and he talks about how. The air, and he comes right out and says the arrogance of the board where they just blatantly ignored e-commerce and said people will never buy online. They've got to come in a store. And, and Damon and Andrew, that's that's where we are so passionate with the manufacturers because unfortunately you yeah. hear the same thing from manufacturers for years and what went on in retail it eventually is going to hit manufacturing whether you like it or not, just matter of fact. It yep. is. It's a it's a good turning point here in our discussion because what when we first started talking and and you and I were 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 discussing how you're helping manufacturers now, I really it started to relate to me and I know it did with Andrew too because we see that now in in these companies and you when you do like we're doing now, we came about a different direction because we started, we were in manufacturing and then we started working with e-commerce companies that weren't necessarily manufacturing. Some of them were, but they're e-commerce companies. And you specifically came the other direction from taking a manufacturing company and in, integrating e-commerce with it and being successful doing that. But we've arrived at the same place because right. it makes so much sense. Well, we right. We, we mapped the process just to bring yeah. on our old manufacturing toolbox. We went, this is our product that uh, does this, does this distribution to this and this. And we're like, well, right. that can go away and that can go away and that can go right. away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, right. uh, when you started talking about how you helped uh, the electronics company with the ground straps mm -hmm. and, and how a configurator allowed them to sell those ground straps to many other companies they would have never seen, it started to get my mind going. And, you know, since then we've talked about it, but the companies that, that we've worked with, managed or consulted with in the past, you think of the ways that e-commerce can help them now. And I, I'm just, I'm just over, overjoyed that we've we've got this technology at our fingertips and we can help clients do this or, or people can do it however they want but it's available to them because mm -hmm. when you look at the things that e-commerce can do with a manufacturing company it's really pretty staggering mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah well, it's, um, we, we uh and we love working with small companies like that too because we want them right. to work, you know and, and, yeah. and you know what, what we face most of the time is the stat the, more of the cards are stacked against them. I mean, yeah. it, as 
slog being a small business owner and all the advantages the big companies have, especially when it comes to capital and access to capital and funding and everything else you got to deal with. It's just another thing. But th this is an opportunity for them. Um, you know, it's a weapon they can go use um, against the big guys. And this is why, you know, like I, when I was in the auto industry, I predicted I was watching. I went through Ford um, cutting back all their suppliers. They were knocking mm -hmm. off all their suppliers. They yep. want, and Boeing did the same thing, same strategy. Yep. Yep. We want to have five suppliers. Yep. This became major, you know, they're so big. They couldn't go e-commerce if they wanted to. But yep. but what I, my prediction back then was when that was happening to us, because I was on the supply side uh, working for Ford was, I was like, you know, you guys should be careful because you've made this pretty easy for somebody with who's well-funded to pick up the phone five times. And, and and put all the suppliers together and build a car, and I said mm. I predicted it would be Nike or some marketing big right. juggernaut who had a ton of cash that right. could get a car built and brand it. And I said, guess what? They're way better at branding and marketing than you guys. Right. right. <laughs> but it was Nike, it would turn out to be Tesla. I was Tesla. Sure, yeah. absolutely. No, it's a great, great prediction. So. Yeah, and the e-commerce thing—it was, you know, for me it was fascinating. From when I sold my sold my business, and I've shared this with you. Uh, so I was looking for a business to buy, and that's my next book is going to be how not to buy a business. So uh, I'm I'm the authority and expert on that. But what I found was um, a lot of manufacturers in my area were, you know, struggling. You know, and and, and the great thing about dealing with the small manufacturers, a lot of things are stacked against them. But I'll tell you, man, when you hang out with an entrepreneur, there's no one, especially when you go, when you meet a startup, I've never met a startup that's going in with the intention to fail, man. They are the future sky's the limit. You know, yeah. even if it's a small mom and pop or a woman uh, starting a daycare or a guy starting whatever, entrepreneurs in general are optimistic people. They're half full people. And even a manufacturer that gets beat up all day, every day. Man, they are. They still. They wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And one thing about entrepreneurs, and I think we all agree, we make horrible employees. We're just we're really unemployable, to be honest yeah. with you. And that's why I love the Thursday exit your way calls because it's a bunch of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and we're really just terrible employees. And we just love hanging out. We're just trying to figure out how to, how to hustle and make a living yeah. and have a good time doing what we're doing. So that's a great thing with. So on the, you know, the manufacturing uh, e-commerce strategies that we keep talking about, when I started, all of a sudden, when I was looking for a business to buy, as I was scouring all these businesses, an e-commerce conversation would come up. And then all of a sudden, I turned into, I'm thrown on a consulting hat. And, you know, quick, quick, great story. So this one company, they were an electrical motor distributor. This was like in 2012 and had thousands of SKUs, just a general electric distributor, nothing yeah. sexy. They were selling commodities. Just yeah. like thousands of other distributors, nothing mm -hmm. unique about it. Had a horrible, terrible website. It was like a one-page brochure that it was embarrassing. They uh, put on an e-commerce web store, put on like hundreds of their products, started doing a little bit of marketing. They launched on a Monday. By Friday, they had laid at a $9,000 order. So here's a company that was founded in 1919. This was 2012, 13, you know, so near 95 year old company. They had serviced a 60 mile radius of their location for 95 years. They go on e-commerce the first week 
They land a $9,000 order. The website was about five grand. So with their margin, they almost paid for the website. Here's the sweet thing. The order came from New Zealand. So in yeah. that one order almost paid for the entire website. And they now just went international shipping nine, a $9,000 motor yeah. Yeah. that they couldn't find in New Zealand because yeah. it's New Zealand. Yeah. And it was more cost effective for them to ship it there. Several months later, I'm in the shop. I went to visit them. Hey, how's it going? Da da da. They're like, hey, we just got wired 80 grand from a customer that bought all these motors, da da da, and we're shipping it to Mexico. <laughs> so like total, here's a yeah. you know, third third generation, yeah. 95-year-old company, game changer, just a total yeah. game changer by putting up a five thousand dollar website. And, and tipping their toe into a, a, an e-commerce digital marketing strategy. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing because that kind of thing can, that kind of thing, literally can happen to just about any manufacturer. Right. Yeah. Right. Any, any, and and so to segue off of that, so I had a, a, another client was a, a woman business owned uh, manufacturer. She was a hockey mom. Her and I grew very, very close. She was absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact, her son. Division one quarterback at Rutgers. So he's a big 10 guy and um, just a, a phenomenal athlete. Mothers ran a great business. She manufactured machine gun bullet links. Oh, machine yeah. gun bullet links. So like, you know, the old war, uh, cowboy movies where they, they'd have a, you know, strap of bullets around their shoulder. Yeah. They're all linked together. She sold those links that go like a machine gun bullet links. Yeah. Or machine gun bullets. She made the links. That went on the bullets. That's what she did. You know, 30, 40 employees, millions yeah. of dollars in sales. And she'd been in business for a long time. And here's, here's, this is a great story. So there's a, a guy, he's online and her, and her and I worked relentlessly on a new website. She had this graphic designer. So a female in a guy's industry. I mean, what's more manly than oh, machine yeah. gun bullet links. And she put a really nice female touch on her website meticulous every detail every color everything you know thing that guys don't even think of puts out this incredible website there's a guy who's what who's who he says he's watching a romantic comedy with his significant other on the couch he's got his phone and he's doing google searches while he's pretending doing the good boyfriend yeah. husband thing doing a google search her website pops up places an order she lands a four hundred thousand dollar gig because of her new website. Again, she spent five grand on a new website, lands this $400,000 gig, and it was on a Friday night at whatever time. Yeah. So one of the chapters in my book of what I always preach, how can you help that customer make a buying decision at Friday night and a midnight without having to wait for you to open up your doors on Monday morning? Yeah. And she was living proof, lands a six-figure gig, just because she was there, she was available. He found her watching a movie with his his girlfriend, being yeah. a good husband, boy, good boyfriend, and doing business on the side. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Andrew must have had technical technical difficulties. He dropped off. We'll get him back if he if he gets some gets some sorted out. But that you know, and that is really the thing you know that that you look at. And this is not just. Uh, for the mom and pop manufacturers, I mean, we're talking manufacturers that are a hundred, two hundred million dollars in revenue yeah. can really benefit from this because they're they're still and a lot of them are product manufacturers that 
are still relying upon their salespeople to be out there confirming orders to um, take orders from customers, process orders. I mean, my my uh, uh, significant other used to she used to work for large medical companies and selling very expensive medical devices. And I would be amazed that customers would still transmit order information to her via you know PDF PO or sure. something right. like that. And I mean, we're not talking a couple of years ago. And right. and they taking someone that's a very expensive employee and having them you know basically move paper is really ridiculous. And then when you look at the um, savings and like you were just saying, the ability to make it easy for your customer to do business with you with e-commerce yeah. is is such an overlooked thing that you're, if your competitors aren't doing it and you do it, then people are going to begin to expect it. And then, you know, so your customer begins to expect it. Your customer, like you said, with the machine gun links, uh, right. that, they, hey, I'm, I'm on vacation, but oh, I need some more. Da, 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 on my phone, I'm at the top of a ski slope, I'm on the beach, doesn't really right. matter. They're coming in, the people are good, you know? Right. And uh, those are the kind of things that really distinguish you from other competitors. And pretty soon, they're not really even competitors anymore because you're doing things that they never thought of. And well, just, yeah, look at the things that you guys are, are doing differently. You know, I mean, just from a content standpoint, I mean, you guys, you know, what you've done with your Thursday meetings and, and what we're doing right here, right now, our Friday meetings with the manufacturing strategies, uh, you know, our manufacturing e-commerce strategies masterclass. And as Mary, I'm glad you brought up the medical supplies because in December we have Brian Beck and yep. Brian Beck is kind of, you know, the authority of major B2B transactions. Yeah. And so he'll be talking um, about some really cool things. I had the pleasure. I was, I spoke at a gig that he spoke at back in, uh, I think it was like June, May or June. And he described how, I can't remember if it was Cardinal Health or one of, like a major medical supply company. They're selling million dollar pieces of, of equipment via e-commerce. Yeah. There, there's no, you know, it's like, you know, a pair of socks and, oh, by the way, I'm going to buy a million dollar piece of, you know, whatever medical equipment yeah. and it's going into a shopping cart. So, I mean, the, these B2B buyers, you know, like the, the client with a $400,000 sale, I mean, this was a B2B buyer with a, another, yeah. you know, uh, whether it's a department of defense in her case or uh, general dynamics or, you know, uh, one of the companies in the supply chain of, of defense they're doing the exact same thing that we're doing as, as yeah. consumers and as buyers. And you have yeah. to make it as convenient as possible. Well, exactly. And, it, and when you look at that's those are examples, some of those are examples of a new customer, but when you even look at it as your existing customers and, and, you know, I spoke about this a little bit when we were talking with the SBA folks about the, yeah. um, the, the business of e-commerce, Amazon has laid customer expectations at a different level. And yep. it's significantly higher. And everyone else just had to, Andrew's back here. We'll get him back on again. So, hey, brother. and Amazon, you know, set these expectations very, very high for customers. Well, that, that customer expectation is the same for all e-commerce customers. It's B2B or whatever. Now, when you compare that to the normal customer service level in a B2B business, it's not nearly like it is on Amazon as far as timely response and, and things like that. And I think that is really an opportunity because when you look at what 
a returning customer, the kind of things that you can do for a returning customer as a manufacturer. I don't care if you're a CNC machining company or you're a fabrication company or you're selling a screw to, you know, to a company that's using it in someplace else. It really doesn't matter. You make that experience easy and you, again, differentiate yourself. You get the little things that you have to do with e-commerce, like as soon as something shipped, automatically the UPS or the, the, the freight tracking number goes right to them. Here's how you track it, blah, blah, blah. Let us know if you got any questions. You know, and the fact that in e-commerce, if you, if, if you put a phone number on, the, on the, uh, the website or on your order and you call it up and nobody answers, I mean, you're gonna get blasted on your reviews and those reviews right. are over on a seat. This all makes you better as, as a, a business. And when you look at the, the normal, when you look in those types of businesses that I talked about, and then what the level of customer service that the e-commerce really requires, yes, it's gonna be painful. But when you get there, it's not expensive usually to do that stuff, but it really differentiates yourself once again from your competitors. Makes you better. Yeah, makes you better. A huge thing because if, if you can sit there, because you know as well as Andrew and I, when 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 a larger business makes a decision to supply you for you to supply them components or assemblies or whatever the heck they are, they're spending millions of dollars, and the the four hundred thousand dollar order was that you mentioned was probably one of a lot of oh, millions sure. of dollars orders, right? And when you're in B2B like we are when we were when we were running those businesses, those large orders, they just transaction. The zeros just kind of fall away after a while. You don't realize, well, that was a million dollar order. And you're like, yeah, but we had to do one yesterday. So it's really not that big a deal. Right. Um, right. And you kind of forget about the, the significance in that customer service that a retail place or somebody else or an e-commerce place has to has to put on those type of customers or they do on their type of customers and how it would benefit you i just i just think it's huge opportunity mm -hmm. well that's why i'm so appreciative and just i can't thank you guys enough for like our friday you know e-commerce uh masterclass series so andrew when you hopped off we shared a couple stories about you know, one client, you know, I think you might have still been on, you know, landing that $80,000 order, you know, and then I uh, shared another client, different situations, different circumstance. She lands a $400,000 order. You know, when you're doing two or $3 million in sales a year, you 20, 30 employees, like these are, these are game changers. Like yes. this is, this is a total alteration of your business, a whole, you know, changes your yeah. year. And, and the great thing is about e-commerce Again, I'm maybe simplifying it, you know, a throwing up a $5,000 website. However, it's not a massive cap X. Like you didn't buy a quarter million dollar lathe machine. You didn't yeah. lay out, you know, half a million dollars for a new circuit board ma uh, machine. You know, it's five, it's a small capital expenditure. You know, Damon and I have been talking like, you know, boy, how could we help that manufacturer get that cost down? Because I don't know if it's fear, but it's just the unknown of I don't know digital marketing, I don't know e-commerce, how am I gonna do this whole thing? But the two companies that I shared, once once one company hit it, then all of a sudden the second company hit it, what I did is I started rounding up a bunch of different manufacturers and I started this thing called the Million Dollar e-commerce e Club. 
And what I did is I wanted to challenge. I wanted like, so I brought a bunch of manufacturers in a room together. There's like 20 of them. And I brought those two up front and we almost pitted the two against each other of like, who was going to hit a million dollars first. And of course the woman, the hockey mom, she's like, I'm going to hit it first. So now you've got 15 other manufacturers in a room chomping at, wait, hey, wait a minute. What's <laughs> this e-commerce thing? This was 2014. And they're like, yeah. if they can do half a million dollars and they can, they're racing to get to, what about me? And I'm like, man, if I could help 10, 15 companies, you know, in each of these companies, 20, 30, 50 employees, three to $5 million, if you add a million dollars to their top line, what's it doing to their bottom line? Because you didn't increase if they have capacity. Now, I know there's exceptions where they yeah. got capacity, but this can go right into your bottom line because you have a variable expense by bringing more bodies in if you if you have scalable opportunities. So yeah. with our Friday gig, that's what I absolutely love because we could almost turn this into an, our new, I was doing it in my area. This could almost be like our million dollar e-commerce club for manufacturers. How could us together as a team help as many manufacturers as possible? Like Dan Bigger is doing an amazing job with his, he's got a weekly Twitter group for manufacturers yeah. Yeah. and big shout out to Dan and his efforts. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'd be negligent if I didn't mention that, you know, when you, when that story, that customer pulls in that $400,000 order, then what does that do to their exit value? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, everything, everything around it. Yeah. Every, everything. It's, it, these are game changers. And again, not a lot easier said than done. It's oh, the yeah. treadmill, you know, you get that new, and then, cause I could counterpoint that where, I've had a lot of clients either, you know, prior or, you know, they get a brand new website and they're like, okay, where are the orders? And it's crickets. And, yeah. you know, we got to get on the treadmill to see some results here. You got to hit the gym to yeah. see the results. And that's where they need help because it, it, you know, they've been burnt. They've contacted somebody, uh, an SEO guru, and it's five yeah. grand a month and, you know, all that well, stuff. Back to small business, uh, you know, small, medium businesses, the good and the bad, the good is they are able to do this, big companies yeah. do trial and error. Right. You know, um, yeah. you know this is that's how they learn everything and figure yeah. things. Out, trial and error, and uh, exactly. kind of lessons and stuff like that too. But what you're talking about is exactly what that is. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're capable of doing it. Next thing you know, they're the next Amazon. Yeah, or they're the next exit your way uh, client, and they are thrilled because they've just put a multiple, uh, you know, they put a new multiple, you know, and I'm, yeah. and I'm not trying to show, you know, a shameless plug to you guys, but you know, I've been in those shoes where, you know, when you're not, I'm, I'm, you know, I was just telling Damon earlier, you know, I have, I have a client that's looking to uh, exit out and they're, they're not a, a good fit for exit your way, but they're looking to exit your out in a situation. And, you know, how can you catapult, you know, especially now, man, with COVID, you know, if, if you didn't get caught in a product that you're escalating, and you're, you know, how many manufacturers are down 30, 40, 50% right now, no fault of their own, Yeah, True. you know, and, and they're late fifties flirting with 60. Now, what do they do? You know, yeah. and this is, and again, I'm such an evangelist for e-commerce, but bringing on this type of a strategy can help escalate and get, you know, land that $80,000 order, that $400,000 order, get yeah. you back on track pretty darn quick. Exactly. But, you know, I think, and that's what we've seen, you know, smart companies, small companies can do that. You know, you can go, yeah, well, I should have done this before, but, you know, I'm going hard sales now. And if e-commerce is a way to help me, you know, grow my sales, 
Um, I'm going to go that way. And if it's not the product that I'm currently selling or something else, or where's that other market, they, they'll go find it. Um, and they're, so they're spending what little resources because they are pulling back. They aren't making the money they were before. Yeah. But, you know, counter you know, that too, which is fascinating is, is that they go, wow, we should have done this all along. But they were too busy just filling orders before. You, were, you know, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, you got your resources. Where do they go? When you're jamming and you're filling reorders, you know, you're probably spending 20% of your resources. And now, now it's, now it's time. The smart ones are 80% of the resources on the sales. They'll come out of this thing and spoken hot. Yeah. So there's opportunity in the fire. That's, that's for sure. Cause uh, you know, and you can attest to this Kurt. It's, it's, there's very few companies that you go into and they say, Oh, our sales are great. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You know, you know what? Shy, I, I I have hit a few of those when it catches oh, yeah. me. It, it, like it, it, like I, I try to keep my poker face, it catches me off guard. Yeah, but the, in the same regard, you talk to any manufacturer nationwide. You know, with probably if if they are at capacity, their number one problem, workforce. We were just yeah. talking about a woman that that's a specialist in uh, retention, workforce yeah. retention. I don't care where you go in the country. Every manufacturer is suffering lack of workforce. So here's the important thing. So what I, and I learned this, this caught me off guard years ago, because I'm coming in e-commerce sales, e-commerce sales. And I got a couple of those pushbacks. We're like, no, we're, we're Mr. Mr. E-commerce, you don't get it. We're at full yeah. capacity, da, da, da. And the more we talked about it, all of a sudden the light bulb went off and I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. I'm hearing you're having a retention problem. What's the, what, what are you looking for? Engineers just out of college? Where are they going? They're going on LinkedIn, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, they're on social, they're checking out you, they're checking out your website, they're looking at your YouTube channel. And if you don't have any of that, they're going to your competitor that does. Awesome, that flipped the conversation yeah. where now Mr. E-commerce was welcomed back into the shop because now we needed to talk more of a digital strategy, but now we're looking at it from a recruiting employee standpoint, which mm -hmm. can slide very easily into recruiting that customer's when capacity does go down. So it's it's really challenging to argue so many manufacturers want almost took pride in being that best kept secret. Yeah. And well and you make you just can't be, you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. You make a great point and and uh we talked about Jeffrey Graham and he, when you listen yeah. to him talk for about 10 minutes you're going to realize that 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 is not just e-commerce it's the digital real estate that your company has. Yep. And and your digital real estate is a combination of the places you said of your YouTube, of your LinkedIn, of your website, of your uh, of your how good your salespeople are and your CEO and everyone else at branding and support and spreading the word of your company. It, this yep. this anymore, and especially as the workforce transitions from a bunch of guys that look like us, guys and gals that look like us, age wise, to the millennials. That's where they live. That's how they make a decision where they go to work. That's right. that's what attracts people into an industry. So if you're doing a good job of that, you will attract attract good employees and customers. Yeah. And it is really relevant. Well, and I think you have to spend time doing it too. And I I, I uh when I we don't do a lot of work with companies in the early startup phase you know, we're we're dealing with companies that have been around for a while that are you know established. Yeah. But it's always good to go back and remember how it was, right? There's because they don't have the money to hire the people. So, you know, a good, really good startup founder is selling not just product to people, which is, I think, is what 
companies get complacent and do that. They're selling and pitching their idea, their vision every single day to anybody who'll listen. And that's all their stakeholders. So that's, you know, that's the guy, you know, the, the people on the front lines that they're hiring, the students, the interns, yep. Um, you know, they're, they're influencers, right? So, but, you know, I don't know why, but, you know, a company get that and get to a certain level and lose that kind of, you know, um, thing. Absolutely. I don't, have to, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to sell, you know, what I'm doing, but you're not selling your, you're selling your culture. You're, you're trying right. you know, we're not going to make it if you can't draw those, those folks in. You're absolutely right. You make a good point because, because uh, A, back up 15 years 20 years we didn't really talk about culture right yeah. or did we and i was just oblivious to it I, <laughs> maybe there were the know? i saw it happening was um uh you know and some of the bigger companies were bringing in consultants to do it when you know at ford i was at ford they were doing it but it was the japanese that were kind of leading the way yeah. attention yeah you know so working culturally and we were kind of getting our asses kicked by them which was what yeah. it's right yeah well, that's, that's what it takes to start paying attention i think that fear and competition you know when things are going good and again manufacturing you're at capacity out of sight out of mind what's yeah. here you'll you guys will love this so uh client uh working with recently decent sized manufacturer and they went through the whole uh, persona exercise and they have you know a defined persona and in that persona they have not active with social media. And what I have found over the years, a lot of manufacturers will conveniently say, our persona is not in the yeah. social media because they don't want to be in the social media. So exactly. therefore, they feel relieved and justified of like, oh, thank God our persona doesn't want to be in social media when yeah. they just created to define their own. And when you when we have the conversation that we just had, and that's the thing. And, and, and again, I kid around about myself and I know we we'll probably need to wrap up soon with when I had my e-commerce business, you know, a hundred years ago, our team, one thing that I'll credit our team, we were really good at challenging ourselves. We had a saying, we had a couple of sayings. We we're like, what are we doing today that we're going to make fun of six months from now? And how could we do that? How could we fix it now? And it's not <laughs> always easy to identify what are we doing today? Hey, we're, you know, we're still on we're still on DOS or we're still on, you know, when, you know, when, whatever, you know, what are you doing today that you can make fun of that you're going to make fun of that we could correct it right now. And when social media was hitting a scene, I had a bunch of young people. I was, you know, I was probably 40 at the time. So I was younger and I had a bunch of 20 somethings. So when these social media platforms came out, even when I was shooting down Twitter, we were on Twitter immediately. When YouTube came out, we were shooting YouTube came out, I believe in 2006, seven, we were literally shooting how-to videos immediately and getting hundreds of thousands of views right off the bat. And I'm really cheap. And the great thing about social media, it's free. It doesn't yeah. cost a penny. And I not and my my attitude was I didn't want to get beat by the competition because I ignored something. Mm -hmm. I was dedicating time and resources, but man, those platforms didn't cost me anything. So I think it's been a, it's been a little discouraging for years when manufacturers or companies have blatantly ignored these opportunities that are free. The challenges, they just didn't see the, the you know, when I got e-commerce, I'll never forget when, you know, that order, when your email pops up, hey, there's an order. Hey, there's another order. Hey, there's another order. Hey, we took in 30 orders over the weekend. I was at home doing whatever, watching football. Yeah. And we're, you know, when you start getting a taste of that, then your attitude changes. Until yeah. then, it's convenient to say, you know what, 
e-commerce will never affect our client, our company, because I don't understand it and I don't want to learn it. You know. Well, yeah. You know, this is great. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's the entrepreneur right there. We talked about exit your way clients, the kind of people that the really the great small medium companies we're working for. Um, that's the difference, right? They're constantly thinking about it. It never that's it, that's why I got people who want to become entrepreneurs. I want to buy a business coming out of a corporate thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. They go home on Friday. They come home at five o'clock. They don't think about work until the next day. They don't have to. Yeah. I, you know, so be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's 24 it's seven, man. Not yeah. for everybody. But, you know, I mean, I think for, um, you know, uh, I, I, we're lucky we got to work with some, some of our clients are just, you know, really, really fantastic uh, people who really build something great. And they run on their fuel, their fuel, you know, they, they'll run 24 hours and can do it just because of the pure love of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been great, Kurt, and I can already tell that we have to, it would be fun if we brought back uh, Jeff Graham, too. Because, uh, uh, you know, the the his perspective on it is really, really interesting as well. But you're, I always love talking with you. I'm so appreciative for you to stop by today and talk about manufacturing and e-commerce and, and just the opportunities we see. And and it's wonderful that we get to work together more in, in our, our Friday Master uh, manufacturing e-commerce strategies masterclass series that you're putting together with us is awesome. You know, we've had some had some great speakers so far. And this week, who do we have coming up on that? We have Josh Curcio from Protocol 80. And um, I've worked with those guys for years. And uh, they've been in it since 2002. So they're early adapters to yeah. uh, inbound marketing strategies exclusively for manufacturers. You're speaking next week. We've got Jeff Graham. We've got Allison coming up. Yeah, Allison. We've got DeBoard. the one and only Ira Bowman, the yeah. uh, LinkedIn rock star. We've got yeah. Bonnie from Go Lids. We've yeah. got Brian Beck. So we're really guys. I this was a dream of mine back in November of doing these workshops. I am so deeply indebted and and just filled with gratitude for you guys. So thank you for helping me make this come true and. I'm just so fired up that we're offering this to people and can't wait to see where this takes us. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and exit your way. What it's all about is, is bring in, you know, um, these great resources, talent, these kind of things to bear on our clients, the small businesses, man, because yeah, these are game changers. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for being with us again, Kurt, Andrew. Thank you guys. Ours wonderful. Um, And I'm going to sign us off here for now, and we will be back again. All right, guys.